This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Mary Kay on from Crescent Community Health Center. And this is the first time I've touched this topic. And so it's really, I'm really excited because most people would know this, but when I did my MBA, I also did an MNO, nonprofits. I have a background in nonprofit management that I've never used, but I do have the passion, or at least I had the passion at one point. The topic for today is managing a nonprofit's hiring needs on a nonprofit's budget. So we're going to use a lot of the same words that we use in corporate. <laughs> we're just going to use them differently. So Mary Kay, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Crescent Community Health Center? Sure. Hi, my name is Mary Kay Kurgis. Good morning to everybody. I am the human resources business partner here at Crescent Community Health Center. And Crescent Community Health Center is a federally qualified health center. We provide medical, dental, brain health, and quick care services to anybody in the community, no matter their need or their ability to pay. Our biggest grant funder is the federal government at this time. We also bring in anywhere around six hundred to $700,000 a year in individual donations. So we have a very robust donation pool. We also are very excitingly, we just received a $1.35 million grant from Delta Dental to expand our dental practice. So that's fantastic. That's pretty exciting as well. So it's been a I've only been here for about two years, and it's been kind of a wild ride. We've expanded (laughs) with COVID and everything. Everybody has their own struggles. Our struggle has been that we have been growing so fast that in, in certain ways, it's hard to keep up, especially when it comes to hiring. When I started at the end of June in 2020, we had 65 employees. And as of today, we have 140. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that so, that is that's rapid growth. What are the what are the positions that are the hardest to find for you right now, or hardest right to now, fill? Should hardest say. to fill positions right now. We have actually two that we've been struggling with is dentists and mm-hmm. dental hygienists. Right. They are very difficult to find, and it's really trying to get out as far as those positions. Some people, when they see community health center or FQHC. Right. A lot of times they think of us as the free clinic right? and that these people will be doing work for us for free. That is definitely not the case. We provide actually the one thing that we always give to dentists. A lot of times your dentist and your dental hygienist work in private practice and they tend not to have the robust benefits that a community health center can offer. So it's trying to get that word out and that understanding exactly what a community health center is. So anybody out there has any information on good dentists or dental hygienists that are looking (laughs) for jobs. (laughs) So did you work in corporate or have you always worked on the nonprofit side from an HR perspective? 
I've actually worked in with medical centers most Yeah, of my career. yeah. I worked with Mayo Clinic for about 10 years. I was at, so I was up in Minnesota for about 10 years. And then I was a paralegal for about 10 years. So I worked for law firms. I worked for another hospital here in Iowa, our hospital group here in Iowa, Right. Unity Point. So I've worked a little bit of everything, nonprofit, not-for-profit, and corporate. What was the biggest kind of transition or shock for you from coming from some of those corporate experiences to a nonprofit experience from an HR, especially in a recruiting perspective? From a recruiting perspective, this has been my first real recruiting opportunity Mm-hmm. as far as that goes and really getting into the nitty gritty of recruiting. It's trying to get out the understanding of what we do and how we help and how we can provide a very unique experience Right. to our employees. And also trying to learn from our employees as to where we're falling a little bit, maybe in benefits and maybe in pay scale, what we need to adjust there, but yet still allow for our funding to really do the good that it needs to do with our patients. That's the balance, isn't it? It's Yes, it is. for all the money that you could attract the talent by investing more in perks, benefits, bonuses, compensation, et cetera. But every dollar that you invest there is a dollar that can't be invested in, in the center. Exactly. And that's the thing that we, when we look at our benefits and opportunities for us to provide benefits, a, a lot of times we're looking for those benefits that maybe aren't, that we're not paying for, but we're offering Right. an opportunity for the employee. Right. So it, is it like a, our legal benefit that we offer? It's a new benefit that we found. that we're, we decided to offer. It's not something that we as a company pays for, but it's an opportunity for employees to have the ability to get that benefit. But if they So need it, they can use it. exactly. So it's just really looking for those items that maybe not, they might not cost us anything, but it's a unique opportunity for employees to either one, get involved in the community or two, provide certain services to their families or themselves that they might not have the opportunity with if they're just a single person. Sounds like you got a wonderful kind of experience to sell. I mean, that, that's it for me. Again, I, I'm looking and I might be wrong. Please tell me if I am. People younger in their career, early in their career, they want an array of experiences. And so this would, if I were coming out of dental hygienist school or dental school, it's, it seems like it would be a really fun experience, a way to experience something different before going Yes. into private practice or going into something else. Exactly. It provides the one thing we try to get out, like for the dental area that's been difficult is we try to get out the fact that we are providing services that it, in private practice, you might not even see because Right. a lot of those patients, one, aren't coming to those private practices because we're the only provider of Medicaid services in the area Oh, for wow. dental. Okay. So we 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 get a whole slew of patients that you might not see and you might actually gain a lot of knowledge and experience and things like that. Most people wouldn't see in a private practice. It's interesting on the, I live in Dallas-Fort Worth. I live in Arlington, technically, so right in between Dallas-Fort Worth. But there is a, it's a county called JPS and in Fort Worth and Parkland and Dallas. And they're the community hospitals. 
And uh, I've talked to I've talked to people at both of them through the years. And what's interesting is people seek out those experiences because of exactly what you just said, especially like in the ER room. In the ER room of those two hospitals, things that you're just you're not going to see anywhere else. You're going to see it, and not only just see it once, you're going to see it multiple times. And it's, and again, it kind of sets you up for your career to understand, okay, if you might not really like that type of trauma or that type of ER experience, but at least I have it under my belt and I understand what's there. And I think exactly. so much of navigating a career is finding out what you like and what you don't like. So experiences, I really, I love that. And I made that assumption about young in one's career or you going after early stage talent. Is that, first of all, is that true? Is, is Do you find yourself going after folks that have been in their career for 15, 20 years or folks starting out in their career? It, it depends on the position, obviously. Mm. Our, like our dentists and dental hygienists, our dental assistants, our medical assistants, we, we thrive on bringing people in right out of school right. and giving them the opportunity to provide a very specialized service that you're not going to, like I said, you're not going to see in a, a <laughs> private practice. But also one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is when you work with, especially like dentists, dental hygienists, nurse practitioners, doctors, those people coming out of school, what we can provide is there's that nice little dangle that people don't know about is loan repayment. Oh, interesting. Tell me about that. Federal and state governments offer HRSA, which is our governing body through the federal or health and human services. They provide for those people coming out of school, if they work in public health for a length of time, they can have up to 50 thousand dollars of their loan repaid oh my so goodness that's a big it's that's huge a big change and it's not and one of the other things is a lot of times people think that i'm not going to get paid very much at those places we're no we're not paying the top dollar but we're pretty competitive with our dollar amounts and it's just getting that out there and letting people know that we're here. We provide a great service. We provide everybody great service, no matter who they are. Right. And that health equity thing that we're really working towards. We have a very unique population in Dubuque, which a lot of people would be surprised to think of Midwest population. We have what would be considered a significant Pacific Islander population in Dubuque. We're running, we have about a thousand Pacific Islanders that live in Dubuque. Interesting. Okay. So if you walk into Crescent Community Health Center, one of the first things you notice is there's three languages on all of our signage. There's English, Spanish, and Marshallese, which is the Pacific Islander language. So we really gear our services, our who we sometimes a lot of sometimes who we hire those types of things to make sure that we're providing translation services and the understanding and things to those populations that really need that type of help you know what's interesting is if someone did the math let's say the again a dental hygienist if they did the mad compliance okay you're going to be close to market rate you're not going to be above market rate you're going to be close to market rate but if they did the math of loan repayment how much they're spending a month in paying back those loans, the math probably plays in their favor uh, from, 
for, from the total comp, right? From the loan repayment plus their salary. So that's actually, I think, first of all, I don't know. Let's get into kind of how you promote jobs. Like what is, when you have a job openings right now, what's your, what's your go-to? Because again, we're dealing with a nonprofit budget. So it's not like you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend on job ads and Indeed and everything else. But how do you, once you know you have an open position, we'll, we'll keep running with the dental hygienist. How do you market that job? How do you get that out in front of folks? So right now, so about a year ago, I guess it's actually been almost two years. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> we actually did a really big analysis on how we were going about recruiting and we were doing everything pretty much. We'd go to Indeed or ZipRecruiter or whatever the case may be and right. manually put those things out there. It was very time consuming, very ine inefficient. So we picked up the applicant tracking system. I solved hire. <clears throat> and that's how we get our stuff mm -hmm. out. The thing I loved about when we took on that process is I just post the job and it pushes it out. And what they say up to 1600 job boards within the country. And then also, if you want to go to some specialized job boards, whether it be medical, dental, brain health, whatever the case may be, what you're looking for, it you can go out to their list of favorites or job boards that you that are paid job boards and pick and choose right and also there's if you have one that you use a lot you can actually get it set up where now like access dubuque is one of our things that we use i just have to click a button and it pushes it out to access dubuque for me instead of having to now before i had to put it in two different places now i have to put it one right and it gets it everywhere i want to go our next thing that we're going to be doing is there's a college network here in Iowa for jobs. I'm going to get that set up within, again, I saw tire. So again, it's just going to be that one click and it'll push it out to them as well. I like that. And again, getting that early stage talent, getting on their radar when they first start school as they're going through their process and having them to just being on their radar. So that they know exactly. that it's an option. There's some great selling points. Again, helping the community that in which they serve. You're also going to get a really unique experience. Uh, I think the comp, once they do the math, is going to be similar, if not even more advantageous. One of the things I wanted to ask you is: is there any other is there any other tech that kind of enables the your jobs, or have you done like specifically? Have you done employer referrals? Have you looked at okay, we have a group, we have 100 and 40 plus employees. Have you leveraged those folks in terms of trying to get candidate flow from them? Yeah, we have been talking about that quite a bit. We aren't quite there yet. It's the com competing priority situation oh, right now. Yeah, there's only so um, much time in the day. And also, again, it, it, just to give a little bit of background about what we're, our struggle has been is we've grown so fast. We just moved into our building that we're in back in 20, November of 2019, and we've outgrown it. So <laughs> <laughs> we are actually trying to make some decisions on what jobs need to be in-house, what jobs can be hybrid, how we can maximize the space that we have, and how our current expansion plans, 
how those flow. And we have to start thinking about our hiring practice while we're doing that. Because while we have a whole bunch of jobs we want to hire for, we don't have any place to put them at the moment. So it, it's like we need to put the brakes on just a little bit, but yet still plan and move forward and try to make sure when we do get the space that we have the people to fill it. I want to ask you on the HR side, a budget question, because when I talk to practitioners, especially now during this, whatever this recession thing is, it's like they have to do more with less. So even the largest companies, some of them are having layoffs, et cetera, whatever, but they have to, they've come to the conclusion that their HR budget isn't going to be what it was last year or the year before. They've got to do more with less. Well, with nonprofits, at least in my experience, that's always the case. Yeah. <laughs> Doing more with less is, that's normal. Exactly. <laughs> so the jack of all trades. Yeah. Right. So. Um, well, how did you, when you first started, when you looked at your HR budget total, when you looked at everything, how did you prioritize? Because again, you're not sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars and being able to do spend everywhere you want. You've got to pick the things that are going to be the most impactful. How'd you do that? Yeah. When we, when I started with it, our HR was HR of two. And so it was, and we were only literally our HR platform was payroll only. And we really had to have those conversations as we can't keep doing everything on paper and we need to become more efficient because if we come in more, become more efficient in these administrative areas, it allows us to actually deal with the things that need to be dealt with. So it was picking. And obviously the other big thing is you can't eat the whole elephant all at once you have to do it little bits at a time. So picking what's the most, what's the next step, which we decide what we added time, time and attendance on to our platform. And then it was looking at what was the next step after that. The most important thing that we thought was getting benefits administration added to our platform, taking those things that were very high paper, high touching, all those types of things and getting them more automated. So I don't, we only have to deal them, with them a little bit at a time and just laying out in a list what our steps need to be, where our priorities need to be so we can get that off our plate. And again, now we can focus on policies and our culture and issues with our employees and hiring and those types of things and where we need to get it, get to. And each year is reprioritizing, making sure that, okay, what needs to be added, what needs to be pruned, et cetera, being extremely cautious with yeah. every dollar that's spent. Yeah. So one of the things we haven't had to do deal with before is a scheduling plat option. So we, our schedules are pretty much set Monday through Friday, seven to six, and there might be slight variations with one, one person or the next, but not specific schedules. End of last year, we purchased the pharmacy that's in our building and now it's a retail situation. So now there are schedules. So that's our next hurdle is how can we get our platform that we have to fill that need so we don't have to do schedules on a spreadsheet. So. I want to ask them to, in terms of your peers, either at other like organizations or just other nonprofits in general, maybe outside of the healthcare space, have you had any time or 
any way to connect with people that are doing a similar job at a similar place? I actually, last year, as part of trying to continue our community outreach and partnering with our our other nonprofits and people within the community, I joined the board of this nonprofit called Fountain of Youth in Dubuque. And that was more to get the word out, not just of help them with their struggles. They're a group of people that help those coming out of incarceration or people that are just having struggling with things in life or addiction problems or alcohol or whatever the case may be and help helping them get on the right track and succeed and having a group of people that can support them. So by getting on that board, I can also not only help get our word out there, but also see their need and bring that information back to our group of people and see how we can incorporate that need into our services. So those are the things that we try to do and get our fingers out into the community and make sure that they understand we're not just here to help those that just decide to come in our door, but we're trying to bring people in. So last that answer the question? I think 100%, 100%, 100%. Last question is, for the folks that are listening that may be on the corporate side, what would what advice would you give to them if they were evaluating taking an HR job for a nonprofit? It's just understanding that it's very challenging and they're all the same problems, no matter what HR job you decide to go into and what the, a lot of the problems are similar. But the challenge is understanding that we're not all about the profit. We're about the people. That is something that we it, I really take to heart that when it comes down to it, when we're spending money, we got we really focus on our patients and our employees and making sure that we're providing the best opportunity for our patients, but also the best opportunity for our employees. Drops and allow, allowing growth and training and stuff and trying to do that in a very economical and partnership way with those people within our communities. I love the framing of, it's the same stuff you're dealing with. You work with John Deere, Caterpillar or whomever. It's the same stuff. If you're dealing with employee experience, it's it's the same stuff. You just might have less resources and you might have to become more creative in the way that you tackle those things. Exactly. And it's also the thing that we do a lot, when, especially like when we're dealing with training, you mm-hmm. want to provide leadership training and those types of things for our leaders is you really need to start doing your research. How can your people within the community, like Northeast Iowa Community College or Clark College or our, the universities in the area, how can they assist you? How can we partner together? So it's I scratch your back, you scratch mine type situation. So maybe you provide some training to us. We provide the opportunity for your students to come in and do clinical rotations, those types of of agreements, trying to get grants that are out there to help with training, those types of things. It's just a lot of research, a lot of just really getting your name out there and asking. Everybody hates to ask for money, but unfortunately that's the job we're in and we have to go out and do it. 
It's part of it is being really creative. And part of it is in corporate, things can come to you. They're also, you're solving a lot of problems and fire fires are popping up everywhere. And so you find yourself being a bit reactive to whatever it is. In nonprofits in general, especially in HR, you've, you've got to be more active both in raising money and awareness and and things like that. And you solve those problems. So you're still fighting some of the same, if not similar problems that corporate does. But I think that's why a lot of people like the the nonprofit world is because of the challenge. Yeah. It's, it is, it is more challenging stated and covered, but that's also the fun of it too. Mary Kay, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for carving out. I know you're crazy busy, but thank you for car- carving out time for us in the audience. I really appreciate it. I'm glad I had the opportunity to talk to you. Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.